0: Some Super Bowl leftovers will be served as I'll get into the Patrick Mahomes GOAT discussion. Is Andy Reid a top 10 coach of all time? And the slippery turf that neutralized the Eagles' pass rush on Sunday? The end of the NBA quote unquote first half is upon us as the All Star break is just about here. I'll review all that's happened in the association to date. Alex Ovechkin will be away from the Capitals for the foreseeable future. How will that affect their march to the playoffs? The latest number one team in college basketball goes down, and we're a day into spring training. Can you take a guess as to which top pitcher is already being pushed back due to injury? Plus, the MLB is keeping the ghost runner in extra innings? Why? The Sports Dead Zone is here, but I can promise you this podcast will be alive and kicking as I deliver all that's going on throughout the sports universe. It's all coming up, but first, this message. J Reels here, just passing by to send a brief reminder to please subscribe, rate, review this podcast, the J Reels podcast, on wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's on Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, CastBox, all of the major platforms that are out there, whichever one that you listen to, once again, just throw me a few stars, write a review, I would greatly appreciate it, just to increase the visibility of this podcast with all the others that are out there, especially this one, which covers all sports in roughly one hour where else are you going to get that so if you can go ahead and please do that i would sincerely and gratefully appreciate it and with that said let's get it the j reels podcast begins in five four three two one let's get this sports podcast party started all right the j reels podcast why don't you wait until july 1st to make an announcement what a disgrace He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. The sports rebel without a pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it, he is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J-Worlds Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, my good people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? I hope everybody's doing well, feeling fantastic in excellent spirits. Mid-February has arrived. A holiday weekend is on the horizon, but there are no holidays when it comes to sports, which is the reason for this podcast and all that's on the brain to share with you, my listeners, followers, and fans alike, as this is the J Reels Podcast with your host, J Reels. For my first-timers, welcome aboard, and for those who have been banging with me going back to the very beginning, somewhere in the middle, or even as early as this past Monday, I welcome you guys and gals back. Quite a bit to chew on as we enter the sports dead zone part one, as I've been discussing over the last few weeks. Now with no Thursday night game, no playoff games to preview, and certainly look forward to as the NFL season is now up in smoke, kaput, after what happened there on Sunday in Glendale, Arizona, but... There are a few things to put to rest before I get into the NBA, college basketball, the National Hockey League, as well as baseball, as pitchers and catchers are reporting pretty much as I am speaking here over the next couple of days, but as we take a look back on just the last couple of days and a lot of the discussion that's happened throughout the country when it comes to the aftermath of Super Bowl 57, the performance by Patrick Mahomes Also, Andy Reid, when we look at him as far as the pantheon of all-time great coaches, I'm going to start with the quarterback because Reid, I don't think it's much of a debate when we come to the greatest coaches of all time. He ranks up there, not necessarily as far as the top four or five being a Mount Rushmore or even maybe the top 10 as I feel he doesn't crack. But when it comes to Mahomes and what he's done here so far in the early part of his career, At the tender age of 27, I know all of the sports talk over the last 48 hours or so has been, is Patrick Mahomes now the GOAT when it comes to being the greatest of all time at the position? Can we just say pump the brakes, people? I get it that the TV shows, radio shows, other podcasts, they're looking for the clickbait material. They're looking to just... I hate to say, lazy radio, and we understand where Patrick Mahomes sits as far as the best quarterback in the sport, bar none. There isn't anybody else that's out there. You could give me Joe Burrow, you could give me Josh Allen, and I don't want to hear about the elder statesman's, whether it be Tom Brady, who is now retired, as we all know, or even Aaron Rodgers, for that matter. Uh Uh-uh. If you're starting a team in 2022, 2023, or even beyond, you're going to start your team with Patrick Mahomes. And let me just cut to the chase when it comes to the greatest of all time. Can we at least go another five years? Can we get maybe 10 years into his career before we could even put him in the top two, three, four, or even five of all time? If you want to put him into that Mount Rushmore. I'm so tired of the prisoner the moment takes. I'm so tired of football not being played before the year 2000. I'm tired of everybody just trying to rally around what he did in the Super Bowl, what he's done in his short career, and just anoint him as the guy that's up there with Brady, Montana, Johnny Unitas, a lot of people, Johnny who? What? He played back in the 50s and 60s. Nobody cares about him. Sorry, people. The guy is on the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks, and you want to throw in John Elway, you want to throw in Dan Marino, you want to throw in Terry Bradshaw, you want to throw in Roger Staubach, be my guest. But when it comes to the greatest of all time, when he still has plenty of career left, there is no discussion. I'm sorry. I don't care if you're the biggest NFL fan alive. I don't care if you're the biggest Chief fan alive. And yes, you could argue whether or not he's on that trajectory. You cannot. There is no way you could even look at what he's done so far in his career to think, that he is not on the fast track. He's in the express lane. When it comes to him being, when it's all said and done. Arguably a top four, five quarterback in the sport. And when I say top four, I'm talking about Mount Rushmore. Now five, we understand there's only four heads on Mount Rushmore. We all know the famed landmark, South Dakota, et cetera. But I'm just tired of people bringing this up. And me, I turn the other cheek. I'm not looking at Mahomes as, yeah, you know what, is he the greatest of all time? Yeah, I got to put him up there with Brady, Montana, etc. No, not yet. That's like saying after LeBron James won the two titles back-to-back in Miami and what he had done from the beginning of of his career to that point that people want to put him in the GOAT discussion. And it's preposterous. Now, obviously, we're 10 years removed from that back-to-back scenario when he won those titles against Oklahoma City and San Antonio. So, of course, we could really sink our teeth into LeBron's career, whether or not he belongs in that stratosphere, among the likes of Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but that's not the debate. We're not talking about LeBron. I'm just using that as the example. So, for us to sit here and even think that Mahomes is the GOAT, please, could we just put a pause on that and call me in about Another decade. But I will say this. And this may come as a shock. Because people know if you listen to this podcast, especially over the last month. When it comes to the Hall of Fame. And everybody knows that I'm a hard marker. I'm a guy that's a small part of the room. I'm not letting anybody and everybody into the room. Because when I look at the criteria for a Hall of Famer. I look at the three things. I look at if he's great, if he's elite, and he's dominant. And if Patrick Mahomes did not play another down, if he said, you know what? I played five years. I want to preserve my body. I have a couple of kids, a wife. I understand I'm leaving $350 million on the table or however much money is left on his contract. But I want to do other things with my life. And he decided to hang up his cleats. I'm putting him in the Hall of Fame. And I know before people are either falling out of their chairs, or God forbid if you're driving, you're going off the road, or if you dropped your drink, or if you're on a treadmill, hopefully you're not tripping over your shoes. But yes, the three things that I mentioned. He's played five years. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. And in those five years, he's played in three Super Bowls, he's won two of them, two regular season MVPs, Two Super Bowl MVPs. And when you look at his record in those five years, he is 64-16. and 16. He is 11-3 and three in the postseason. Mind you, all the games have been at home except for the Super Bowl games. I'm not going to kill him for the loss in Tampa because he was under siege throughout the whole game. Yes, we can look at the second half against Cincinnati as a bad one, but please, the guy's allowed to have a bad game or even a bad half. Because remember, in the first half, they jumped out to a 21-3 lead. Give credit to the Bengals and their adjustments to fluster Mahomes and obviously through the big pick in overtime, which led to the game-winning field goal by Evan McPherson, where the Bengals went on to face the Rams in the Super Bowl. But when we just look at that body of work, and granted, it's a small body, five years. But think of Sandy Koufax in baseball. And before people say, oh, Sandy Koufax, who's he? Look him up. L.A. Dodgers, 60s, and what he did. And all right, you want to keep it current? I got you. In football terms, how about Terrell Davis and what he did as a running back for the Broncos in a handful of years when he was as dominant as any running back over the first few years of his career than anyone has been in the NFL? Or if you want to even go further back to the 60s, what about a guy like Gale Sayers who was dominant in the five or six years before he shredded his knee and was never the same player. And thankfully Mahomes is upright. All right, he's got a bum ankle right about now after they had the parade yesterday, but we all know that Mahomes, even at the tender age of 27 and what he's done so far, if he were to just walk into the sunset and say, I'm good, he has my vote for the Hall of Fame. Because what quarterback in the first five years of his career, granted the first year he didn't start, that was Alex Smith, as we all know, but as a starter, with everything that I just detailed, his records in the regular season and postseason, all of the hardware that he is, five years, come on, he's had four MVPs, two regular season, two Super Bowl, two rings. What more can the guy do? And he's played in the Super Bowl three times. Like I said, bye-bye NFL. I don't want to play anymore. I'm sure I'm not in the minority when it comes to that. But I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there that would think, "Uh uh-uh, he's got to play a lot longer if you ask me. Understood. But I'm putting him in based on the body of work over those five years. Because give me another quarterback during a five-year span that's had the resume that he's had and doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. So that's my first item on the docket. Number two, Andy Reid. Four Super Bowl appearances. Two, this one has to be sweeter than the first, although the first one, it was as elusive as we could possibly get. All those opportunities in Philadelphia where he made it to four straight championship games, made it to the one Super Bowl. We know he lost to New England then. And then him going to Kansas City, the tough loss in 2018 in the championship game against New England, finally winning the Super Bowl in 19, losing it to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the year after. Last year, we know what happened in the championship game as I... Mentioned just a little while ago against Cincinnati. And then now here he is at the top of the mountain again with another Super Bowl win. When we look at the coaches of all time, especially the ones that have won two, obviously he's not going to be up there with Lombardi, Belichick. All right, to go further back, Paul Brown. But then you have Chuck Knoll, Tom Landry, Bill Walsh, Joe Gibbs, Bill Parcells. You've got a list of head coaches that... Unless he gets one or two more, there's no way that Andy Reid is going to be part of that discussion. He's now, at least on the outside looking in, where before he was way outside, down the street and around the corner. Now, he's at the storefront looking in at those aforementioned coaches and getting ready to knock on the door because Mahomes isn't going to go anywhere and Reid is coming back for another year and why would he retire knowing that his team has been in the Super Bowl three of the last four years, and I'm sure over the course of the next few years, he has an opportunity to get to more, where he could continue to move up the ranks, not only in wins, where he's well over 200, but also get a third Super Bowl, and maybe even get to a fourth and win that, so he could be in that top 10 discussion. But right now, I think he's on the outside looking in. And that's still not a bad thing. When you're one of the Top 15, 12, whatever number you want to throw out there in the history of the sport, it's over 100 years. Obviously, you've done some good things. And yes, there's a lot of things on Andy's resume when it comes to his clock management. His lack of in-game adjustments, as we saw there in the Super Bowl just a couple years ago. And the clock management, I understand it's almost 20 years ago, the game against New England, where they had to be in two-minute mode, but it was a six-minute drive when they were down 24-14. But he does have that, sadly, on the back of his playoff resume, but in the what have you done for me lately world, not only just of sports, but of life, you got to look at what he's done here over the last four years, and with two Super Bowl victories, and now him continuing to slowly but surely move up the charts, not only in the coaching ranks, as far as what he's done in the regular season, but now in Super Bowls, one more time, he's definitely has his face pressed up against the glass, looking in saying, hey, I'm ready to not only knock on this door, but barge right in. And one thing I didn't really get into on Monday's podcast, and that's my bad, hand raised high in the air, you know I'm very accountable when it comes to the work that I do, putting out these podcasts, and as detailed as my review and analysis was of the game, the one thing I didn't really get into was the whole slick field, which was an atrocity. Why did the NFL spend all that money, $800,000, to get a pristine field And when it was Disney on ice? especially in the second half of that game. But a lot of the Philadelphia Eagle fans, they need to pipe down because they looked at their pass rush, not being able to get to Mahomes, lay a finger, whether he was in the pocket, trying to escape the pocket, or had the big run up the gut that set them up for the game-winning field goal. Well, the Chiefs had to play on that field too. And mind you, it's not as if the Chiefs had five or six sacks to the Eagles' none. As Jalen Hurts, we saw, had three touchdown runs, albeit they were within moderate range. It's not as if he reeled off a 25-yard touchdown run. But the chief pass rush behind Chris Jones and Frank Clark, it's not as if they were able to get, and they did get a sack in the game, but it wasn't your conventional sack where he was thrown for a loss, where Hertz had to scramble around and was sacked for seven or eight yards on a play where they had to punt. You didn't get that. So I don't want to hear that, The reason why the Eagles were unable to get to Mahomes was because of the field. The Chiefs had to play on it too. So, let's squash that. Eagle fans, I know you're probably still bitter four days after the fact and it still hasn't sunk in that you had this magical season behind an MVP caliber quarterback and surprised everybody. Surprised me. Think about this. I know everybody's going to start laughing when they hear this if they didn't go back to the NFL preview in early September. I picked the Eagles as an under, over under win totals for 2022. The number was nine and a half, mainly because I didn't believe in the quarterback. And when he was drafted, I was praising the kid coming out of Oklahoma. We all, we know his story, Alabama transferred, etc. But I just didn't think Jalen Hurts based on what I saw last year and the performance that he had against the Buccaneers in the playoffs that, wait a minute, this guy's going to step in and win. 10 games. I thought they'd be close. I didn't think he was going to obliterate it by week 11. And I look like a fool there. Without question. But sometimes when you're doing a podcast that has to be based on predictions. And sometimes when you're off, you could be way off. And hand raised high in the air, I was way off. But even with all that said, as magical and as fun, fantastic, you love the bunch, you love the defense, you love what Jalen Hurts did, A.J. Brown, etc., it ended up in a big fat L, the humble pie, as I called it once upon a time, that you're still eating four days later, and it's going to take a long time for you to digest, so don't blame it on the field as to why your pass rush didn't get to Patrick Mahomes. Some news and notes throughout the sport before I pivot to the NBA. You had some coaching hires, which were questionable to say the least, especially the one in Arizona, because how did Michael Bidwell and the Cardinals select Jonathan Gannon, where the Super Bowl was in his building? Did he not see the performance after everything I just explained about why the Eagle defense was unable to get to Mahomes or make big plays when they had to? And for them to plug Jonathan Gannon as their head coach, this is why the Cardinals are a disaster. This is why they're inept. And mind you, other than a couple of seasons throughout, the one year with Carson Palmer when they went to an NFC title game and lost to the Carolina Panthers, and then before that, coming this close to winning a Super Bowl against Pittsburgh back in the 2008 season, the Cardinals have been a flat-out abomination. And for them to hire Gannon... After looking at that performance, especially in the second half, that made them think, well, Gannon, he's our guy. Maybe he could come in here and make some changes and do different things where we could get to that level. Please. If you're a Cardinal fan or in that region, you got to be sick to your stomach. You have to be wondering, wait a minute, this team who needs an upgrade in the worst way at the position, And Cliff Kingsbury, who had the one good year, but fizzled out in the postseason against the Rams last year. And they've done nothing over the last 10, 11 years, other than that one performance in the title game against Carolina. And you're going to bring in Jonathan Gannon? You're not going to bring in an offensive coach? Or even Lou Anarumo, the Cincinnati Bengals defensive coordinator, who by far deserves a job a hell of a lot more than Jonathan Gannon, even though he made it to the Super Bowl. But Anarumo made it to the Super Bowl last year. And you're going to hire this guy? No offense to Jonathan Gannon. I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he's one that has built this defense and made it what it was up until the game this past Sunday. But this is your guy, Arizona? But that's the franchise for you. So, thank God I'm not a Cardinal fan. And I don't know what it is about the Indianapolis Colts and hiring former Eagle offensive coordinators, but they're going down this road once again. 2017, Frank Reich, who... Won a Super Bowl under Nick Foles and Doug Peterson. The Colts decided Frank Reich is our guy. Led him to the playoffs a time or two. And we saw how that played out at the end of two years ago. Where they lost to Jacksonville in the last game of the season. And then was fired halfway through the 2022 season. Well, they figured let's pluck Shane Steichen from the Eagle coaching tree. And put him in Indianapolis to see what he could do as far as Resurrect that offense, resurrect that team, that franchise. And all right, we know Steichen had a phenomenal year for everything again. Their offense, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, offensive line. But the thing is, the offensive line isn't coming with him. Nor is the quarterback or the receiving core or the backfield. So Steichen, who knows? Again, not to knock him, I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. But it's not as if he's bringing half of that Eagle team with them that is going to exponentially make them better. And then you have Derek Carr who has been released by the Vegas Raiders and who knows where he's going to go. I'm not going to speculate, people. We know the teams that are going to be out there, the Saints, the Panthers, the Jets. Understood, but one guy on Twitter yesterday wrote that Derek Carr would actually be a good fit with the Steelers. Seriously? Seriously? Derek Carr, although he has ability, and although in 2015 he was on the path to winning an MVP until he broke his leg and their season went up in smoke. But Derek Carr's record on the back of his football card says it all. And no offense, I know Carr's had his moments in the league, and he does have ability, but that is one guy I don't want anywhere near my franchise, or if I'm the Jets, or if I'm the Saints, or Carolina, or any other team for that matter. And again, I'm sure he's going to be a guy that will be reinvigorated. He bleeds black and silver, as you saw in his final post there, two weeks before the end of the season. Because remember, McDaniels said take an early vacation. But Carr, is he that guy that's going to lead you to the promised land? Is he a guy that's going to take you to a Super Bowl? He'll have his moments, yes. But the Holy Grail? I don't think so. And now we'll get to see what's going to happen here over the course of the coming weeks. We have to get to, I was at March 18th, I believe is when the new season begins, where free agency will be percolating with rumors and all types of scenarios with player movement and who's going to sign where and what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, which I've said before I'm not going to get into. I know he's going to go into his darkness retreat and good for him. He's doing something different off the cuff where a lot of other people will look at him as a crazy man or a strange dude or whatever. Me, whatever floats your boat, my guy, and sitting in darkness for four days, which I get it. That's a challenge, and we all need to be challenged in life, and even though it's a little bit different and quirky, et cetera, but you know what? I'm for it. If he comes out a better person, do you, my guy, but until he's either officially announcing that he's staying in Green Bay or if the Jets... Raiders or any other team has officially traded for his services, then we'll discuss it. Other than that, I've got nothing else to say. Now as I put on my high tops, we'll get to the NBA. And the first half is just about over. You have a few games here tonight on the docket before we look ahead to the All-Star break, which will be in Utah over the weekend. And I understand this is the one All-Star game that a lot of people will get into only because Granted, Matador defense, you're going to have a 184 to 179 type of game, which I cannot watch. I'm sorry. I can't watch alley-oops, dunks, easy layups. To me, it's not a game. There's no competition. And even though it may be tight in the fourth quarter, and that's when teams will start to play defense or what have you, but uh-uh. I'd rather watch something else. The dunk competition has become a shell of its old self. No offense to the guys that are in the dunk contest this year, and I don't even know who's in it quite honestly. So without even going down that road, but if you're not going to have the stars of the game, or at least some known names that are going to participate, why bother? The three-point contest, all right, that's something to watch. You're going to have some very good participants, Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum. Those are the two off the top of my head that I saw on the ticker there on the bottom a couple of days ago. But right, am I going to DVR or run home. Wait, the three-point contest is on. I got to watch that? Uh Uh-uh. Not this guy. So, the NBA is going to take their pause here this weekend. Here on the President's Holiday. Weekend after the Super Bowl. So, they'll be front and center. At least for those who are interested in watching an exhibition like that. But as I take a look back in the first half of the season, which has had its moments, we all know about the drama in Brooklyn early on, and not to rehash that, even to a certain extent in LA with the Lakers, not that there was off-the-court drama, but new coach, Russell Westbrook having to come off the bench, and as we all know, he's traded, and we're waiting to see what's going to happen with him as far as the Utah Jazz, buying him out of his contract so where Westbrook could go elsewhere, who knows if he's going to go to the Clippers, I know Paul George is intimated that he would like to have Westbrook on his team, and we know that the John Wall experiment did not work out, flamed out in fact, as he was dealt before the trade deadline last week. But the big surprise, I would say, in the NBA this year, and I'll start there, because we could go through the divisions and the conference and get to where we're at as far as standings, and to me, it's not even about that. We know what teams have been playing well, what teams have been playing well above their heads, or whether they've overachieved, I should say, and the teams that have certainly been underwhelming and have not performed to what a lot of people have expected coming into the season. Right off the bat, my biggest surprise this year is the Sacramento Kings, because I don't think anybody in their right mind thought that the Kings were going to have not just a good year, but a year to where they're currently in the Western Conference, you would think, all right, well, Sacramento's doing well, J-Reels. Okay, what are they? Probably fifth or sixth in the conference, which, all right, it's not saying much, but still. Right now, they're third. They would be hosting a first round playoff series against the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is a series that they could actually win. Now, if they go up against Dallas or the Clippers or if Golden State moves up the ranks, that could be tricky. But a team led by De'Aaron Fox, we know about Demonte Sabonis, and what he's done out in Sacktown and it's good to see, when we think of the Western Conference, and I've talked about this before, where the usual suspects at the top, whether you're Golden State, the Clippers, the Lakers, those teams are usually the ones residing at the very top, Phoenix Suns, but no, it is flipped to a certain extent when you have Denver, Memphis, and then Sacramento up there. So you have to look at the Kings as a team. All right, you're going to take them serious to the extent where they're going to go on and maybe get to a conference final. I'm not going to go as far as saying that. But the leap that Memphis took last year and how they were able to get a two seed. And as we all know, that they fizzled out there in the postseason against the Golden State Warriors. But I think Sacramento is on that trajectory to where... They're a team that you have to pay attention to, and let's see what they're going to do for the rest of this year, and especially into the postseason, because that's where they're going to be judged and graded. But whatever they do this year, and I don't want to say it's house money, I don't want to say it's a free year, because no, if you're a King fan, the 16 of you out there, you want to ride this wave. You want to see how far this team could go. Do you think that they're going to a championship? Of course not. But you would think as of right now, with the way they played this year, you want to see them... Win a first round. And at that point, you push your chips to the middle of the table and see what the outcome will be in a second round. And then you also have a guy like Harrison Barnes, where I know he's not a sexy guy as far as a player in the league, but he has won a title with the Warriors back in 2015. He is that veteran presence, veteran leader. I get it. He's not a guy that is a Hall of Famer or a guy that is going to be well-known or renowned in the sport as being a leader or a guy that you could look to in a locker room as being the calming presence. I understand that, but he does have a little bit of pedigree. He does know what it takes to be around and go around the league. And to have a guy like that in your locker room, especially with a lot of young guys and a, young, a lot of young pieces on that team, that's going to go a long way to see whether or not they're going to be a contender or a pretender. And again, I'm not trying to say that the Kings are going to go on this run to where you're going to see them in a game six, maybe in their building to go to an NBA final. No. But they've been a big surprise, and I'm sure a lot of NBA fans will attest to that. My biggest disappointment this year, and I know there are a couple, and this team I don't want to pick on, but if you've listened to me over the last month or so, it has to be Golden State. Because this is a team winning a championship last year, and everything that happened right before the start of the season with the big fight. And I'm not going to attribute to their 29-29 and record as of right this moment to what happened in the latter part of training camp. But it definitely has been off by the Bay Area. And even Draymond Green said it a few weeks back, saying that, yes, for whatever reason, we have not been able to get in sync. I don't know if there's been some separation between the Old guard, whether you're Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. Maybe even want to throw in Andrew Wiggins there because he's been in the league almost 10 years. To the younger guys, the Moses Moody, the Jonathan Kamingas, the Jordan Pools. Maybe there's a faction there that it's about them knowing that they're going to be on this team a lot longer than the elder statesmen. But for whatever it's been so far this year, and I don't want to hear about hangover. I don't want to hear about... Oh, they're kind of plodding through, but at the end of the day, they're going to be right there. There's no guarantee. When a season is going the way it has for the Warriors, and Steph Curry's not going to be back in the lineup probably until maybe the end of the month or into March, this is a season, not to say it's going to be, as I like to call it, swept out or going to be lost out to sea, but it is what it is. Like Bill Parcells once upon a time said, you are what your record says you are. And let's face it, this is what they are so far in 2022, 2023. Can they go on a run? Will they have a stretch where they may win 8 of 11 or 15 of 20? They may, but if you ask me right this second, I don't think they will. And if they're going to hover between 7 and 10... The story is going to be, oh, you got to watch out for Golden State. They're going to be dangerous if they're going to be in that playing tournament where, especially if they're a road team, they're going to have a chip on their shoulder. They know what it takes to win, so on and so forth. Well, what happened a couple of years ago when they were in the playing scenario and it was the same cast of characters for the most part and they had two opportunities to win where they lost to the Lakers in LA. All right, fine. That can happen. No problem. But then they lose at home to Memphis. So I don't want to hear that, oh, this team, you got to watch out for them. They're going to be laying in the weeds. This is one team that nobody's going to want to play if they're in a playing tournament scenario. And yet, you could say, J-Reels, come on, that was two years ago. you really going to base it on that? Well, they have a track record and they have a history. So as much as people want to call the Warriors a dynasty for titles in the last eight years, well, part of that dynasty was that they lost two games in a playing tournament scenario. And you mean to tell me that can't happen this year with all this function and everything that I just detailed over the last two minutes that their season can't go up in smoke if they had two games to save their season? So I don't want to hear it. To me, they've been a major disappointment. And we can look at a few other teams. I know nobody's going to look at Charlotte as a team that's a disappointment. Well, think about this. They were in a playing scenario last year and they got waxed by Atlanta in the First playing game, but they were 43 and 39. And again, nobody's going to rally around Charlotte as a team that, oh, they've been a major disappointment because people look at Charlotte and their existence as a disappointing team. But they did make it to the playing tournament. And yes, with all the excitement around LaMelo Ball and bringing in a veteran like Gordon Hayward as they did so last year. And then you also have, and LaMelo's missed a ton of games this year, so I understand that you can't really. Look at their season. And knowing that they haven't been whole and full. But they are. 16 and what? 37. Or whatever their record is this year. That's a disgrace. Worse than that. They're 17 and 43. So. For those who are thinking that. Charlotte. Can't really count them as a disappointment. Oh yes you can. But those are my two. One surprise. One disappointment this year. And. When we take a look at this first half, and again, not not breaking down divisions and all that, because we know who are the top teams, we know who are putting themselves in good position in both the East and West to be a team that's going to be a threat to win a title. And I'm going to talk more about that on Monday's podcast, because once the All-Star break is coming on, and once we have a situation where we could get into the second half, I'll preview that, and also how many teams will be near, or the handful of teams that could win a title this year. And I think it's more than a handful, but I'll get into that then. But we know the teams that have had big seasons to date. We know the Celtics have had a big season so far. They have the best record in the sport. The Bucs have turned it around. And they beat the Celtics there the other night, minus Jason Tatum, minus Jalen Brown, minus Marcus Smart, minus Al Horford. And the Celtics still almost won the game as the Bucks had to get a late three to tie in regulation before winning in overtime. And the game was in Milwaukee. And for Giannis Antetokounmpo to come out and say, I love Giannis. And I get it that the player of today is not going to look at home court the maybe the way the player of yesteryear is going to look at it. But for him to say, oh, our focus isn't on home court in the postseason. Well, how did that turn out for him last year in the second round when the Celtics and Bucks played to where they won a game five in Boston to go up 3-2 to go back to Milwaukee, and granted, that's where the home court wasn't an advantage, because the Celtics did lose a game five, and then what happened? Jason Tatum scored 46 in game six to bring him back to Boston, and as we all know, the game was nip and tuck for the first half, and then the Celtics blew their doors off, thanks to Grant Williams, and him shooting 103s, and Peyton Pritchard, etc. But, having a game seven in your building, I'm sure, would you rather have that, or go on the road? And I get it, a lot of road teams win a game seven in the sport. The home court advantage isn't what it used to be, say 20, 30, even 40 years ago, Now I'm going way back, I get it, but still, if you ask any player to a man, would you rather have a Game 7 in your building, I'm sure a lot of them would say yes. So you can't discount not having a Game 7 in your building, whether it's to advance, to get to a final, or to win the whole thing. So that's my take between Celtics and Bucks there the other night and Giannis as far as his comments when it comes to home court. I think it's still important. I get it. It's still a toss-up. These teams, especially when you get deep in the postseason, it's 50-50. I mean, look at the Celtics. They won a Game 7 in Miami last year and in that series, the Eastern Conference Final, they won three of those games in Miami. So right, so much for home court but still, I'm sure Miami, even with that deflating loss there the Jimmy Butler shot, I'm sure they rather would have played that game in their building as opposed to being in Boston. And then out West, I talked about Denver-Memphis. Who knows what's going to happen now with Phoenix. And I said this last week, and I'll say it one more time. Even with Kevin Durant coming back at 100%, I do not think the Suns are an NBA Finals team. I don't. All of a sudden, I'm supposed to think that once Durant... Now, if he's going to be healthy from now to the end of the season... I'm not going to say all bets are off. Because even with him healthy, I would still think that Denver, even Memphis, younger legs, I understand they don't have a ton of experience. But what happened to Phoenix last year when they had a home game in their building that goes to home court advantage, which I understand it is very debatable to have that game seven in your building. But with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, how Dallas, the game was over midway through the second quarter. So even with Kevin Durant there, And I understand he's going to be that guy that's going to take him to the promised land. But is it a guarantee whether or not Kevin Durant, just because he's going to suit up, that they're a lock to make it to the NBA Finals? Not me. And let's see where some of these players go with the buyouts, with Westbrook. Even if he goes to the Clippers, I can't see much improvement. I guess he'll be an improvement over John Wall because he hasn't done much this year. But it's going to be an interesting second half. And I understand a lot of teams have played almost 60 games. So you got about 22, 23, 24 games left depending on the team. But the NBA, just like the NHL, and I'll segue there in a second. Those are going to be the sports that we're going to really look at now that the NFL is over. And as I turn my attention to the NHL. The first order of business is Alexander Ovechkin. And the Capitals, we all know that they've. Been hot and cold this year, and they're going to go to Carolina to be a part of that stadium series down in Raleigh, and not having Ovechkin there kills the game, because the NHL, which I talked about a few weeks back, their viewership has been down 22%, and this is with ESPN and TNT, and if you didn't listen to that podcast, go back, because remember, they had Versus, they had the Outdoor Network, NBC Sports Network. You couldn't even find these games with a roadmap GPS and a magnifying glass, as I like to call it, and now that they're on these major networks, and two of them, I might add, and their viewership has been down, and now you have an outdoor game, and I understand Carolina, as great as they've been this year, and they've been one of the top teams in the sport, especially in the East. But nobody's going to look at Carolina as a team that, oh, i got to watch them on a night-in, night-out basis if you're a casual sports fan or even a diehard sports fan that you're going to look at Carolina? Uh Uh-uh. You're going to think of the original six teams. You're going to think of the Stanley Cup finalists from last year who actually played a couple nights ago where Tampa got the sweep over them, a shootout over the Avalanche there on Tuesday night as they played twice in the last week. But not having your top star, one of your big stars in the sport, the second leading goal scorer in NHL history not there, that's a blow. So even if you want to see the spectacle of an outdoor game, knowing that, oh, the Capitals are playing? Oh, I'm going to watch Ovechkin. Oh, wait a minute. What happened with him recently? Oh, sadly, his father passed away, so thoughts, prayers, and condolences go out to Ovechkin, his family, et cetera. But because his father is in Russia, and knowing that travel between North America and Russia is next to impossible... And I get it that he's an all-time great and I'm sure he's going to find a way to get out there, but there's no guarantee on him getting a direct flight to Moscow, considering what's going on in the world in that part of this planet. And who knows when he's going to be able to come back. And as I mentioned, the Capitals, as of today, fighting for, I don't want to say that playoff lies because it's not as if we're down to the final couple of weeks of the season, but the Capitals currently in the Metropolitan Division. They are one point behind the Penguins for fourth place in the division. And the Islanders are just a point behind them. And they're going to need all the wins that they could possibly get if they want to get to the playoffs. And not knowing when is going to come back, we know that the coach, Peter LaViolette, and the organization, supporting their all-time great player, knowing that, hey, take as much time as you want. But I'm sure deep down inside... They're hoping that he gets back a lot sooner than later because with the travel restrictions going to Moscow and not knowing when he's going to come back, we may not see him until the middle of next month. And who knows where the Capitals will be in the division at that point when their captain comes back. So that's something you have to pay attention to here, not only missing a big chunk of games and for understandable reasons, 100%, but if you're a Capitol fan or an NHL fan and wondering how long he's going to be out, it's a big giant question mark. And obviously you're not going to see him Saturday in Carolina. And I think it's an ABC game if I'm not mistaken. And maybe I'll tune into that, check it out just to see. But again, it loses a lot of luster not having the grade eight there. And one thing I failed to mention a few days ago, the National Hockey League, there's going to be a changing of the guard when it comes to the new executive director, previously held by Donald Fear, the former leader of the union for Major League Baseball. Well, Fear, who had been leading it going back to 2010, is now passing the torch to Marty Walsh, who is the U.S. Secretary of Labor. And he's going to be the guy that's appointed, overlooking the players when it comes to negotiations regarding the collective bargaining agreement. I thought to throw that in there only because Fair, who is a big part of baseball, going back to the days of the 90s, we all know about the strike and how that unfolded and really hurt baseball for a time there in the mid-90s. So Fair will exit stage right and you'll have Marty Walsh come in. I don't know when the next negotiation is. I'm sure it's still a few years away, but that's just one to keep in the back of your mind when it comes to negotiations, what that's going to be like between Bettman, the owners, and now Marty Walsh. So something just to put on your radar. For down the road. Besides that. The NHL. As we march along. Here in this month. Kind of hate to say it. Not much really to get into. We know the Bruins. And what they've done. I feel like I've talked about them. Ad nauseum. Same for Carolina. I know I talked about the Rangers. And how they played. On Monday. Winners of six in a row. I talked about the Tyrasenko trade. How that's going to be big for them. More so. In the postseason. Than it is here. In the regular season. But the Rangers are now really showing some gumption, showing that they're a team that I thought would be reckoned with. A team that I actually picked to go to a Stanley Cup final against Edmonton of all teams. And Edmonton, they've been just a disappointment. I get it that they're currently fourth in the Pacific, which right now they'd be a wild card team for the playoffs. But the NHL, as it is right now, will continue to monitor it, will continue to Keep our focus on what's going to happen here over the course of the next few weeks. And speaking of which, and I'll talk about the NBA more so on Monday with my over-under win totals, which are a lot better in the NBA than they are in the NHL. But boy, the NHL numbers are scary. My three overs for this season, and again, it's point totals, not wins. I had Minnesota 99.5, Florida 104.5, ooh, that's dicey, and the Rangers 99.5. I think the Rangers, I'm good now with the way they've played. And the Rangers currently, I believe where they're at 72 points as I pull up the standings here. The Rangers are at 72. The Minnesota Wild are at 61. And that's going to be a reach right now unless they go on a stretch. Now they still have 28 games to go. So even if they win, if they win 14, let's say if they go 500, that's 28 points. So that's going to leave me at 89. They're going to have to win pretty much two-thirds of their games in order for me to get to that number, 99.5. And, and last year, where were they? 104.5, I think it was. Well, I think it was even higher than that. Weren't they like 113 was that number? And exactly, that's what their number was last year. And Florida, although they played a lot better as of late, but nothing really to write home about, they're currently at 60 points, and i got to get to 104.5. So that's looking like a disaster. So uh, one win based out of those three overs and as far as my unders I had the Kraken which they're at 81 and the Kraken currently are at 65 I had the Islanders and their number from last year to this year was night and day the Islanders are 94 and a half and they were at 84 last year now that could be close that's one that could go down to the wire and the Islanders as of right this very second they're at 61 points and then the Devils, who their number was also 81, and they're currently at 75. Or is it 81 and a half? I got my numbers mixed up. No, in fact, it's 88 and a half. I was looking at the Seattle number, eight, 81 and a half. And Seattle, they should blow right past that at the as they're at 65. And then the Devils, 88 and a half, and they're currently at 75. So I'm looking at a 1-5 record, maybe 2-4, and four, depending on... What happens with the Islanders? And this is my first go around when it comes to over under point totals in the NHL. So this has been a flat out disaster. The NBA, when we preview the second half, I'll get to that then. So that's going to be a lot better than what I have here with the NHL. Quickly with the college basketball and forgive me for not pivoting from the NBA to college. But Alabama, the newly minted number one in the nation. They went by the wayside last night losing to Tennessee by nine So they will be probably knocked off their perch by week's end. And as we talked about a million times over, college basketball here with March Madness being actually, what is it, four weeks from today where the real tournament begins. We know that the tournament will begin on March 14th that Tuesday, but four weeks from today, the 16th, that's when it's going to be on and popping. I couldn't tell you who's going to be in a final four. I couldn't tell you what teams are going to be at the end of the day, the last four standing. This is as wide open as it has ever been. As long as I follow college basketball and as I've shared with you in the past, that's weaned a lot, especially over the last decade plus. But now that we're in full fledged, fall and winter sports, college basketball, you know, I'm going to be on top of this people. Where the big game this weekend, you have Baylor and Kansas. Let's see what happens there. Between those two teams, the Bears won last month by six over Kansas. And that was at home. So now they got to go to Allen Fieldhouse on Saturday. So let's see if Kansas will exact some revenge against Baylor. Those are two teams that obviously will make it to the tournament. Kansas could end up being a one seed in their bracket. Still a lot of time between now and Selection Sunday, which will be three weeks from this coming Sunday. But college basketball, it is the ultimate crapshoot. I couldn't even tell you. If you throw all 65 or 64 teams in the hat and you pull out four, that could be your final four. That's how unpredictable it's going to be this year. And you know we'll be continuing to pay attention to that as we move along. And now let me wrap up with baseball. As pitchers and catchers, slowly but surely trickling in here over the next couple of days, a lot have already reported yesterday. You're going to have more. Pitchers and catchers report today, and then the Guardians will report they'll be the last team, for whatever the reason, reporting tomorrow out in Arizona. The first thing I want to get off my chest is this ghost runner, or the runner in the 10th inning and beyond. The Players Association, a unanimous slam dunk that they were in for, or in favor for the runner to start at the top of the 10th to get these games over with, quick, fast, in a hurry. I can understand why they want it. We all know why they brought it in in 2020. Is to get the games over with quick. With COVID et cetera. And even going into last year. It was a little dubious. Because I could see in 2020 and even 2021. 2022 I would have hoped they would have gotten rid of it. But that wasn't the case. And now it's here to stay. Only in the regular season. Thank goodness. Postseason you can't do that. I'm sorry. But for the purist. The traditionalist like myself. And I understand you got to adjust. I wish they could put the runner at first instead, considering with the rule changes. And that's something that I'll get into during my baseball preview, which will be what? Six weeks from today. But with the rule changes, as far as the pitcher's clock, as far as the throws over the first, only two, the bases being bigger, where Alex Cora said that the bases look like a pizza box. All right. I haven't had a chance to see it just yet because the exhibition season doesn't start, I believe, until the end of next week if I'm not mistaken, but if the game is supposed to be faster and better, you would think that in the 10th inning, if you get a runner on first, maybe you could steal second and at least let them earn that run as opposed to having it on second and then a bloop into shallow right, runner scores, and then the pressure's already on the home team to score in the bottom of the inning. I got to live with it. What can I tell you? I wish they would have just abolished it. I wish they just would have said, uh-uh. We're going to go back to the way baseball was prior to 2020. Not the case. All right. I'm not going to like it, but I got to live with it. And I understand that it helps with the wear and tear on pitchers, and you don't have to, and there have been some other rules when it comes to position players pitching in certain scenarios, etc. All right. I guess I'll have to warm up to it. Because it's very early in spring training that I can't even think about, wait a minute, what? 10th inning, already a runner on second? COVID is all, you know, it's already behind us. We can't even think about having to speed up these games, but that's how it's going to be. That's how it's going to go. Then, all right, let's move on. For the Met fan who's been down this road before, I'm sure they're looking at it with a Prince side eye, wherever he may be up in heaven where the Texas Rangers had to withhold Jacob DeGrom from a workout because his left side was bothering him because the weather in Arizona has been rather chilly and even rainy. So, feeling that tightness, they didn't want to take any chances. Obviously, this is out of precaution. All right, but we've seen that movie many times, and that's one of the reasons why I did not shed a tear of him leaving and signing that five-year, $185 million deal. Because there's no way that you could roll the dice, despite how great he's been when he's healthy, but knowing that he is literally a stub toe, a pulled muscle, away from being on the I.L. for not just 7 days, 10 days, but maybe 2 months, half a season, or dare I say, a full season. So Texas is finding out just a little early. Of what the Met fan has had to go through here over the last couple of years. And I hope it's nothing serious. I don't want to wish him any ill will. I don't want him to be hurt. I want him to have the type of season that he's had here in New York. Where he's been dominant. Where he's been just otherworldly. But this is what you're paying for. You got to hold your breath and cross your fingers and hope that it's nothing serious. If you're a Texas Ranger fan. And speaking of pitchers that are already on the shelf, if you're a Yankee fan, you got to be a little sick because Frankie Montas, who had this shoulder issue going back to last year when he was a member of the A's, for whatever the reason, it's cropped up and resurfaced to where he's going to need surgery and he may be out the entire season. Where have we seen this before? Luis Severino. And Severino is a guy that the Yankees are going to bank on heavily this year to be 100%, and we all know his shoulder history going back several years. Couple that with Nestor Cortez, who, as of right this second, his opening day status, not that he's going to pitch opening day, but to be on the roster for opening day is up in the air as he's dealing with a hamstring issue. He's already going to be out of the World Baseball Classic, which at the end of the day, no big deal. But hamstrings, tightness, injuries, a pitching staff that the Yankees, as of right now on paper, looks good with Cole. Rodon, Severino, now you have no Montas, so that's a negative. And then now with Cortez, is this going to hamper him or going to be nagging throughout the course of the year because hammies are very unpredictable? Who knows? But the staff, which was looking pretty solid, if not spectacular, at the start of the exhibition or spring training, right now it's looking like it's not going to go as far as saying a question mark. But it's dubious at best. So we shall see how that's going to work out in Tampa for the Bombers and their pitching rotation. Here as we get ready for a baseball season. Which like I said, six weeks from today. Hope spring's eternal. Although spring is not for another five weeks. But that's okay. We do not want to rush time. We want to live in the moment. We want to stay present. And as you know, J. Reel's going to do so when it comes to sports. Delivering it twice a week as we get ready to put to bed another episode. That'll do it. Thank you so much for stopping by. Your participation is never taken for granted. Thank you so much. I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe, rate, and review. Throw me a few stars, write a review. That will go a long way into increasing the visibility of this podcast with those who aren't familiar with it. If you want to hit me up on my socials or follow me on my social media, please do so on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, the J Reels Podcast. On YouTube, my YouTube channel, at J Reels. On Twitter, J Reels, one, just the number. If you want to hit me up with a question, comment, or suggestion, you could do so at the J Reels Podcast at gmail.com. I'll be more than happy to follow up. And if you want to contribute to this endeavor, you could do so by going to my Patreon page, P as in Paul, A-T as in Tom, R-E-O-N as in Nancy.com slash the J Reels Podcast. Whatever you want to put forth, we'll go 100% to this production, the upkeep of the website, the equipment, etc. To make this experience into this microphone, to your earbuds or speakers, that much more entertaining, that much more vibrant, that much more energetic, with information, with nothing but fire, fury, passion, with my thoughts, opinions, analysis, because whether you do or do not know, people, this is what I love to talk about. It's in the blood. It's in the DNA as I love to dissect and disseminate these podcasts twice a week for your edification, unlike any other. Not only just one sport, not only two sports, all sports in one hour. I got you covered. Whether it's on the diamond, ice, gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, boxing ring, octagon, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond. Peace, love, and God bless, everybody. And until next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the flip, baby.